Hey there, welcome to the Pretty Little Tribe podcast, a space to talk about all things life, fertility, parenthood, and everything in between. My name is Elizabeth. I am an international fertility coach, ICF certified life coach, birth and bereavement doula, and new parent educator. Join us as we support the tribe throughout their journey from conception to bringing your new baby home and everything along the way. See you in the episode. Welcome back to the Pretty Little Tribe podcast. Today we have Jenica and she's going to talk to us about her IVF story as well as she is also a fellow coach, which everybody knows I am all about fertility coaches and the world needs more of us out there. So, you know, spread the word to everybody that uh, who needs the support that you can find it here. So welcome, Jenica. And if you wouldn't mind telling us a little bit about your story with fertility and where you are today with it as well. Okay. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. So it all started for me. Well, my husband and I got married and we got married when we were very young. I was 21. He was 25 and we got engaged. And then the next day he said, okay, when do you want to start trying to have kids? And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. You know, like we already were extremely young. I wasn't remotely interested in trying to start a family anytime soon. So I'm like, if this is a deal breaker, like you can let me know now, (laughs) but you know, I'm not going to want to start a family, you know, anytime in the next like maybe, maybe like four or five years. And my mom hadn't experienced infertility. I hadn't had any indication at all that I would experience it, experience it. And so finally, when the mom, uh, let's see, what, what should we call it? Like the mom inkling came that I wanted to start trying. It was honestly kind of a relief to me because I knew that I wanted to be a mom eventually, but I, but I didn't have like this strong sense of, I only want to be a mom. Like I was kind of more of, I I wanted to graduate college. I wanted to have a career. And so when I was sitting in church one day, I saw this cute little girl with brown eyes. And all of a sudden I was like, oh my gosh, I think now is the time randomly. It just kind of popped up in my mind. And so I just assumed that it'd be easy to get pregnant. And we were about to sell our house and move at the time. So I'm like, okay, we'll wait just a little bit until we get into our new house. And I just assumed it would happen quickly. I, like I said, I hadn't had any indication that it would be otherwise. And so when we started trying month after month, it just didn't happen. And a year went by and I was like, what is going on? And at the time, this was back in 2014, 2015, people weren't talking about infertility as much back then. I don't feel like it was super common to hear about it. And so I had no idea how common it was at the time. And so luckily there's so many spots in our story where I look back and I can just see the way that God led us from one step to another. But I had wanted this job after I graduated from college and I didn't get it. And then I ended up getting a job at this company called Mosey, which was owned by a larger company called EMC. And they happened to have like absolutely incredible infertility coverage. And at the time I didn't even think about it when I got the job because we weren't even trying when I had started working there. And luckily I looked into it when we decided to start seeing a fertility specialist and the office was like, I mean, less than a mile away from my office. So it was really easy to go to appointments. And then I looked into it and, and the insurance covered almost everything, which as you know, is really rare. Like, I mean, Mm -hmm. it can get very expensive and most insurances don't cover all of these procedures and tests. And so I was really relieved to find that out. And so that took a lot of pressure off of 
the experience because we weren't going into debt. We weren't spending all of our life savings on all of these things. And so amazing. Yeah. And so I always felt grateful for that. What was your diagnosis? What they didn't really know. That's what's interesting in the beginning. I think that the more we did, so we ended up doing three IUIs and two rounds of IVF, all of them failing. And throughout that, we discovered that, well, in the very beginning, my thyroid levels were low. So I got on thyroid medicine to help that. But other than that, they didn't, didn't see a reason why we shouldn't be conceiving. And after doing all of that with one doctor, I switched to another doctor because I just didn't see us getting anywhere. And one of the first things that he found was there were polyps in my uterus, which the prior initial doctor hadn't found. And so that was one of the reasons we found out. And then we ended up doing two egg retrieval, excuse me, one egg retrieval with the first doctor for IVF after the first three IUIs had failed. And I got like 32 eggs or something like that, but only three of them fertilized, which is very low Mm -hmm. for the high amount of eggs that I had. Mm -hmm. And so we figured based on that, that my egg quality wasn't very good because they were doing ICSI, which is the procedure where they basically like inject the sperm into the egg, like it should fertilize. And so we transferred one embryo, the first IVF cycle, and it failed. Then we transferred the final two embryos in the second IVF cycle, and that also failed. And then that's when we switched to our new doctor. And so, like I said, he found that there was polyps in my uterus and we got those taken out at the surgery to get those removed. And then during the egg retrieval or the process where I'm growing the eggs to do the egg retrieval, he decided to do a human growth hormone shot the week Mm. prior to egg retrieval to strengthen the eggs. How many follicles did you have at that time when he decided to do the growth hormone? There were quite a few. There were like in the thirties as well. Like it was a lot. Yeah. And so, but this time, because he did that shot, we ended up getting nine embryos that fertilized, which is three times more. And that was the only thing that had changed during that cycle. Those two things, getting the polyps removed out of my uterus and then doing the human growth hormone shot. Wow. So that was good. And then after the egg retrieval, I got, uh, I can't remember what it's called. It's like where your abdomen fills with fluid. Oh, it's hyperstimulation, ovarian hyperstimulation syndrome. And oh, it was like not good because Mm -hmm. it basically like, I I don't know, like I said, I'm just not like a doctor or a scientist. So I I tend to like, you know, I I tend to make all the terms very simple to understand, but basically what happens from what I understand is like your body's not processing, um, like the liquid that you intake. And so you feel dehydrated, but it's it's all going to your abdomen. So I ended up having to get that drained. And then, which is also super painful that to have the overstimulation. Yeah, it was very uncomfortable. I just felt like, honestly, it was um, like dehydrated. I was not getting like the fluid that I needed for my, all my organs to function properly. Mm -hmm. And so I had to get an IV to help with that, which helped a ton. And then he drained the fluid out of my abdomen or uterus or wherever it is. I think it's my uterus. I don't really know. I I should really, I should really probably look this stuff up before I talk about it. (laughs) But anyway, he he went through like my vagina to like get rid of it. So I'm assuming it was in my uterus there. So anyway, got that all taken care of. So we ended up instead of doing a fresh transfer, we froze the nine embryos and then Mm -hmm. my body healed from that. And it's interesting because I'm not sure if other doctors have these statistics, but according to him, he always gets higher success rates in pregnancy during frozen embryo transfers versus fresh. And 
in my belief, it's because I think your body has just really gone through a lot after the egg retrieval and it needs to heal before doing something as intense as getting pregnant. So looking back on it, I really feel like it was all, it all happened for a reason. And so after my body healed from that, then we transferred two embryos and they happen to be our twins now, which are a boy and a girl. They just turned five at the time of this recording last week. And yeah, and my, my, my pregnancy was rough. I ended up um, getting preeclampsia. I delivered oh, no. at 32 weeks and oh, like, no. oh my gosh, it was just like such a process, but we're all good now. And yeah, there that that's where we're at. How did your marriage survive those IUIs and IVFs and all of that? How did you guys deal with that? Especially how old were you at the time? Let's see. I was like in my later 20s. So when I gave birth, it was I was 29. This would have been like when I was like 26-ish when we started. And it's such a good question. I think that I learned a lot through my husband during this time because he helped me discover something that helps me a lot in any hard situation now, which is that I like to process pain sometimes through humor. Mm -hmm. And I think for me, I automatically take things very seriously. (laughs) And I think I automatically add a lot of drama to any situation. Like that's like where my brain defaults to. And he helped me to see that there was another way and to really lighten the situation and see that, you know, this was our circumstance. It is what it was, but there was no point in always making it heavy and always making it dramatic. I mean, of course, there are times when it's completely okay to be sad and completely okay to be angry, but I think that it's also okay to have joy and be happy and, and laugh. And I remember a situation in particular where I was about to give myself, or he was, I guess, about to give me a really big shot. And I was just scared and I was sick of it at the time. And I was like angry. And I remember just yelling like, fine, I don't want a stupid baby anyway. <laughs> and he, cause I was just, I was just done at this point, yeah. you know, I was yeah. exhausted. I was sick of being in pain and he, it's just like so random, but he grabbed my iPad and looked up, um, I think he Googled like cute babies and it pulled up pictures <laughs> of like cute babies. And it just made me laugh cause it was so ridiculous. And I'm like, all right, I've got this. <laughs> and, and then we gave a shot and it was like way less difficult than I had built it up in my head to be. And so I think that he, through his example, he helped me to see that my way wasn't necessarily always going to be the best way to cope with it. And so Mm -hmm. I think he helped me to see that we have our own gifts. Like he naturally is a more light, um, I guess, lighthearted person. And so I think that in, you know, like we all have our gifts and I think being able to open our mind to the fact that there are other ways to cope and maybe adopting our spouse's ways to cope could help in situations mm-hmm. would be, I think is very helpful. And then, um, another thing is I remember asking him several times just throughout our marriage, not even in infertility, but throughout our marriage, I've, I've said things like, okay, what can I do as a wife to be better? Like, what can I do to really, make, I guess, your life easier or, or are there things that I'm doing that are annoying you, you know, or whatever. Uh, yeah, yeah. And it's so interesting. And I, and I don't know if this will work for everyone, but this is what worked for us. He, he's always said like nothing. You're literally perfect. And it's not true, right? I know that's not true. And I know that he doesn't really believe that's true, but it's so interesting the way that I've reacted as a wife. And when he, when someone believes that about you, you naturally want to be better and you naturally mm-hmm. want to prove what they think about you. And 
I think it's, it was just such an incredible way to respond because I think, especially when we initially got married, I feel like I was like, you know, I would, I would pick things apart about him and like, I mean, we're all human. None of us are perfect, but I think seeing him in that way, it's just like such a beautiful thing because it allows for like the mistakes and it allows for the parts of us that are so imperfect, but but seeing someone like that and having someone see you like that just naturally makes you be that person that they see. Yeah. It sounds like you guys were a great balance for each other. And the fact that you had the wherewithal to even say like, how, how can I be better? Because most people don't even do that. And I think just putting that out there to your spouse or your partner or whoever it may be goes a long way and shows them that you're here to hear them if, and you see them, if they want to express anything, it just allows them the permission. And I think through fertility is so important sometimes, especially for men, because they kind of get lost in this whole experience. They just want it to be better for us. Right. They don't want us to see us going through the pain. They hate that we're even having to go through this. They Mm -hmm. just want to make it better for us. And I think checking in with them in that way is really good. And you know, how can I support you? How can I be better for you? And most of the time it is that standard answer, which is great, but sometimes it might be otherwise too, you know? Right. Yeah. Which is totally fine. And I think that we're, I think every human being is just so different. Naturally, we all have different backgrounds. We all were raised differently. We all have different life experiences. And so I think that just being aware that they're experiencing it differently and that's okay, I think is important. Yes. And so you have twins, as you mentioned, and you transferred to embryos. How were you, was that a big debate as to whether to transfer to, was it just a no brainer? Like, of course we're going to transfer to, for me, I could never even take that risk. I would die if I had twins, I could, (laughs) I could not handle it. So how was that for you guys? Was it just like, of course, this is what we're going to do. Where, how did that go? That was that's such a good question. So we were pretty young at the time and we had already done three IUIs and one round of IVF and all of those didn't work. And so at the time of our first egg retrieval, we just had the two embryos left. And I was like, holy cow, like none of this is working. I guess we'll just do two. So it wasn't even like, we didn't even think about it that much. And honestly, I didn't really even expect for both of them to take. And that time they didn't. Um, but when we did IVF again, at this point, I was like, kind of getting nervous. I'm like, Oh my gosh, like I, I really just expected to get pregnant. And honestly, in the beginning of our infertility experience, I didn't tell anybody. I mean, a few people like our close family and like close friends knew, but like I had a blog at the time and I didn't tell anybody. I just expected to tell this success story at the end. And so when it, didn't work after three IUIs and two rounds of IVF. I was like, Oh my gosh. Like I, I literally just didn't even think that there would be another option that it didn't work. Mm -hmm. And so I think that I just didn't expect them both to take. Cause honestly, both of them taking is really low. Like even if you get pregnant with one baby, the fact that both of the embryos take is very low. I I think it's like 10% chance or something. And so I just thought, okay, well, obviously what we're doing isn't working and my odds are very slim of getting pregnant. And so I just did it. We just decided to do it to hopefully increase our chances of getting pregnant. And thank goodness one of them didn't split because that happens to like people have triplets and I'm just like, Oh my gosh, I want to give anybody who has triplets like a massage because they just deserve it. I can't. So one of my clients that she just delivered like a month ago, she had two 
implanted and one split. She just delivered triplets. Like I can't. I, I know. I'm, I'm amazed by them. I literally just want to like find her address and just give her a foot I massage. Know. I'm like, you don't know who I am, but like, here's a foot massage and you deserve it. <laughs> totally. Totally. And thank uh, God everybody's healthy and everything's good. Yeah. So if you were to go through it again, would you do two again? No, absolutely not. Like, so we're, we're um, kind of in the process of doing IVF again. We just, okay. actually just, we had seven frozen embryos after that. We just, we actually didn't do genetic testing last time, but I just felt prompted to, to do genetic testing this time. And so we got them all defrosted, biopsied, sent to a lab to be tested. And five of the seven were genetically sound. So I'm glad we had them tested awesome. because I'm glad we didn't, you know, transfer one Those of the two, two that yeah. Weren't. Yeah. And so, um, but this time, like I, I'm so, I would do everything that I did over again. Like I would love to have the twins again. We have a boy and a girl. It's been so amazing. And honestly, in some ways it's easier because they play together now and they're so fun, but to do it again, no, because I'm like, I'm good with one. And then also the pregnancy was like, I, I was just an absolute nightmare. So I will never transfer to again. <laughs> yeah. It's not easy on your body to, to have multiples, you know? So no. I don't yeah. know. Is two considered multiples? I think so. Right. Yeah, it is. And I'm just going to pass on that again. Yes, for sure. <laughs> so how are you, are you close to doing the second or where are you at with the next process? I guess is the question. Yeah. Yeah. An IVF. Okay. So we got the, um, the embryos tested and then I got tested again. Like we did the, um, ultrasound and I had polyps in my uterus again. And so I just had that surgery to remove those. I think it's like been three or four weeks now. And then I was about to start IVF again and we got all of our medications and just to do a, a frozen transfer of one of the embryos. And on the day that I was supposed to start the medication, they do a baseline ultrasound just to make sure your ovaries and your uterus look good. And they found an inch size cyst on my right ovary. And it's not a problem if the cyst isn't producing hormones. So they did blood work and my estrogen levels were high and that gave them the indication that the, the cyst was producing hormones. And so they said, don't start your medication tonight. Like you're supposed to wait until tomorrow, come in, do another blood draw. And I did another blood draw the next day. And, and same thing, like it's very clear that the cyst is producing hormones, which would interfere with the medication they would give me. And so at this point we are waiting until the cyst goes away. I what they typically like to do with that is put you on birth control to help regulate your hormones and balance everything out. But for me, I just literally cannot do birth control. I, I was on it for a week and a half before the polyp removal surgery. And I felt like I was just crawling out of my mm. skin. Like it was just messing with my mind, messing with my hormones. And so at this point, they wanted me to call after the first day of my period because hormone changes will change whether cysts come and go. And I guess they're fairly common. Mm -hmm. But my, the day of my period came and I just don't feel ready quite yet. I just, and, and that's one of the things I learned through my first, um, trying to conceive the twins was I felt like I didn't give myself enough time to rest between treatments. Mm -hmm. It was just back to back to back. And my body just got really worn down and I ended up getting Epstein-Barr virus, which is the virus that causes mono. And I think that's, mm -hmm. um, I guess 95% of us have it in our systems, but when your immune system or, or your body either mentally or physically goes through something really traumatic, sometimes your immune system is just like, okay, hey, cool. I, I can't fight this off anymore. And so anyway, I was just exhausted. And so this time around, I'm approaching it differently where I'm not as much in a hurry. And I do think it has to do with the fact that I already have two kids. So if we didn't get pregnant, 
I honestly would be happy with my two, Mm -hmm. you know, so that takes a lot of pressure off of it. Um, but also the fact that I just really feel like really taking care of my body and giving my body the proper amount of time to rest and heal between surgeries or treatments is really going to serve me best in the long run. And so I'll call them back probably, let's see, it's, it's July now. I'll probably call them back in September and, um, hopefully check and hopefully this is will have gone by then. We will see. Yeah. Hopefully. Yes. So mm-hmm. it sounds like you're really listening to your body and, and your intuition about when to, when to start, when to stop. Obviously you have this cyst as well, but what do you suggest yeah. to people that are in it and feel like mm-hmm. something's not quite feeling right, but doctors and everybody are like, okay, yeah, you're ready to go. If you're ready to go, what do you yeah. suggest to them as far as listening to their intuition and, and their body? Yeah. That's a great question. I feel like we all have access to, like you said, intuition, or for me, I call it personal revelation from God, that we have access to truth and knowledge about what's best for us and moving forward in our lives. So, you know, there might be some people who aren't religious, but I can only speak to my experience. And for me personally, I really like to stay close to God and pray about what are the next steps moving forward. And I truly think that he is my father. Like he has my best interest at heart and he knows what's ahead be even before I ever could. And so I really feel like he, I don't think it's like a direct answer sometimes like, Hey, Jenica, this is what you should do. But I think like you said, like the intuition, like sometimes you just have a feeling that you should wait or, or do certain things or maybe see a different doctor. And I think really being in tune to understanding and and respecting that and not just brushing that aside is so important because I think each of us have truly been given direction to what we should do. And I, and I think that it can sometimes be mistaken for just our own thoughts or, Oh, am I just thinking this? Am I, you know, is this just like a random thought that's popping up in my head? And I think that like, you know, you know, I think that, that when you really sit and give yourself some space to think and process that you'll know what's best for you. And I think that that is another aspect of it is to give yourself that space. I think in in such a busy world, it's so for me, at least it's, it's very natural and, um, it, it feels kind of the best to just keep progressing forward at like this rapid pace. And it's hard for me to slow down. So I have to literally force myself every morning to slow down and give myself that quiet space so I can connect and hear what God's trying to say to me and just like what I feel is best for me in my life. And that leads me to my next question, which is, do you have any, what are your rituals that you do to connect with God or for anybody else, the higher self, the universe, whatever? What is it for you? That's such a good question. And I feel like I've really, it's so interesting because I feel like when I was younger, I mean, I've always had trials. I've, I've had, you know, obstacles, but I think the older I get, the more I need God. And I need that because like the trials are bigger and it's just life is so hard. And so I've been really aware over the last few years specifically on what I need best to move forward in my life and to provide myself with that peace and self-confidence to move forward and like, honestly, just wake up and face the world every day because life is hard. And so for those things, those things for me are one, 
I wake up and I, I actually plug my phone into my bathroom or somewhere that's away from my bed. Because if I look at social media or I look at my email first thing in the morning, I think it's a complete gamble as to what I'll see. Mm-hmm. And so I could see something that, that makes me think th- or, you know, that I could choose thoughts about that make me feel great. And I could see something that makes me feel negative. And so I don't like to gamble with that. And so I don't look at my phone first thing in the morning. Instead, I wake up and I walk into my office. I used to read in bed, but my brain it, like knows that I sleep in bed. So it's hard for me to actually like be alert <laughs> and wake up when I'm laying there still. So I'll get up, use the restroom, walk into my office, and then I'll open up my scriptures and I'll read. And there are certain times where I have like a specific question that I'm looking to have answered, you know, and I'll just pray, like, help me, you know, even just things with my business and with, you know, my family or whatever it may be. And I'll just read my scriptures and I feel like God can talk with me to me through that. And it's so it's been crazy. I'm like, how, how are you answering this right now through this scripture? Like I've read a scripture a million times and and somehow in this way, you're answering exactly what I need to hear. Isn't that funny um, how that happens so sometimes? <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like it's his, yeah, it's like his word that he's been given, given us and he'll find a way to communicate. And so when we open our hearts and our minds to that space and allowing him to talk with us, then I think that it's such a cool thing that, that he can. And so I'll read my scriptures, I'll pray for like specific, and, and I, I just, think like, you know, whatever, like you said, if, if you think of it as the universe or God or whatever you want to call your higher power that you believe in, but I think that he cares about the little things that, that you don't think he cares about, like just the dumb things that you're like, Oh, I don't want to bother him with that. He cares. And it's amazing. And it's hard for us to like wrap our minds around it with our limited human experience, but like he, he truly does know us. And so I pray to him about like the simplest little things and, and, you know, like, like, Hey, like I'm feeling really anxious about this doctor's appointment today. Like help me to feel, you know, like more calm about it. Help me to choose thoughts that help me feel more calm about it. And so I'll do that. I'll pray. And then after that, I'll just get like a little bit of work done and I'll, um, make, I always make my bed in the morning. It's like such a simple thing, but I think that it takes three minutes and I'm just like, you know what, if I accomplish nothing else during the day, like at least I had accomplished (laughs) that. And so I make my bed, I put on my gym clothes. I always exercise in the morning and those things are always the things that help me to feel my best. And, And then I'm also very in tune now as I get older, especially with what foods make me feel lethargic or what foods give me energy. And so I very much pay attention to like, if I eat something and I'm like, oh, wow, I have brain fog. I try to be aware of what is causing that and, and fuel my body with foods that help me to physically feel my best too. That's amazing. All of those things. I'm so impressed. How do you do that being a mom with two littles? I mean, I think how do like, how literally, how do you do that? Like (laughs) get to your, get, wake up, go to your office and that's it. Like for me right now at this stage, my kids are, I just can't physically can't do that. So is it because your kids are at a little bit of an older age now, or do you wake up earlier than everybody? What's your secret to that? Yeah. And I think that it's like giving yourself that grace and what stage you're in, because there were stages where I couldn't do this, right? Like they would wake me up and I'd be so tired from being up with them at night that I would just sleep in until the last second, you know? And so I just think it's giving yourself grace in whatever stage you're in and kind of figuring out what works for you, depending on what life stage you're in. But for me right now, it works where I just wake up before them. And it's so, but it is funny sometimes, like sometimes I'll wake up and I'll be like, oh my gosh, I'll have at least an hour of time by myself. And then they'll randomly wake up early and I'll be like, you know, and so it's just kind of like rolling with it and being like, Another a thought that helps me in times like that is like this was oh, this was supposed to happen, right. and the reason why I know that is because it is like it, it it was always supposed to happen all along. Because if I get angry about it, I'm like that's just 
it's not going to put me in a space where I feel happy. And so, but, um, for me, I try to get to bed at a decent hour, which is so hard because I think when you're a mom, you want that, you crave that alone time. But I know for me, my brain does best on eight hours of sleep. And so I really do my best about getting in bed on time. Sometimes I'll watch Netflix a little too long. And in those days, I'll just be like, you know what? You did your best. <laughs> like you just need a little extra Netflix yeah. that night, but I'll try to get enough sleep so I can wake up um, before they wake up. Awesome. So let's talk about your coaching. I'm so excited about this. I actually found Jenica on Instagram and realized very quickly that we are both of the same a life coach school. Like we both have the same yeah. background of coaching, which I'm such a huge believer in and love it so much. It's, yes. you know, so relevant to all aspects of life, but we right. both specifically now use it with fertility. So tell us how you mm -hmm. got into this what you're doing now with your coaching and all, all the things. Yeah, I love it. I love that we connected on Instagram. I think it's such a cool world now that we can just connect over the internet and amazes me. Um, so I got into it. It's so interesting. Like I said in the beginning, I just felt like God has like placed me be like pebbles. It's like, okay, follow the next step and the next step. But long story short, I had a blog and I still do a slice of style.com. And it's a lifestyle blog where I share about my favorite products and just like in general, our lives. And so I started talking about our infertility journey after the three IUIs and two rounds of IVF. I had a miscarriage on an airplane in China after the second round of IVF. And at that point I was like, like, like I said before, I felt like I was planning to share after the success story. And I was like, well, the success story isn't coming. And I literally feel like I'm living a double life and I can't mm. do this anymore. And so I was up with jet lag. I wrote out our whole story and ended up publishing it on my blog a couple weeks later. And I was completely blown away at the time because I don't think it was super common to talk about infertility as much then. And I had no idea how common it was. And I had people emailing me from like, I don't even know how they found it, but they found my blog post from like around the world. And they're like, oh my gosh, it's so good to hear that this is common and that like other people are experiencing it. It's just nice to know I'm not alone. Yeah. And so through the third round of IVF, I kept everyone very updated. I would write letters to our future child. I would say like to my beautiful child, this is what we did today. And, you know, just like documented everything through it. And so people were along the ride um, for that. And so I kind of became known as someone who just was open about infertility and was very passionate about helping other women not feel alone during infertility. And, and then I started the slice of sun.com. And initially I thought it would just be products. Um, so I sell pajamas, socks, sweatshirts, kind of things to help you feel comfortable and kind of remind these women in the community that they're not alone during infertility. And I give a portion away to different nonprofits. And that's what I thought it would be like just a product company. And, and, you know, each sale, a portion goes back to women with infertility. Amazing. And then I started listening to a podcast by Jody Moore, who was also trained by Brooke Castillo in the life coach school. And it was such an amazing, it, it just, the things that she taught were so incredible. And I felt like people asked me how I got through infertility so well. And I was able to tell them I, you know, I chose this specific thought and my thought that helped me was that if it wasn't this trial, it'd be something else. And I, I truly believe that that's true. I think that none of us as human beings escape trials and it's just part of the human experience. And that gave me a lot of peace, but that's kind of like where it ended. I'm like, I don't know how else to teach people. And so when Jody, when I listened to the things that Jody taught, I was like, oh my gosh, this sounds like, like what I could teach people to help them with infertility specifically. And so I ran randomly ran into her on a street corner um, 
it's just like the craziest thing um, that we were going to a branding workshop we had both signed up for. And I set my stuff down once we got in there and, and I didn't realize it was next to her. And so we sat next to each other and we kind of connected. And even then I didn't even think about life coaching. But then slowly I was like, oh my gosh, this is how I can really help people. And I started listening to Brooke Castillo's po- podcast, who is the CEO and founder of the Life Coach School. And, or I guess she's not the CEO now, but you know, she's, she's the one that's created it. And, she's um, moved on or yes. passed the baton, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But she, she teaches this model, which is what Elizabeth and I both teach. And, and I was like, oh my gosh, this is the answer. This is what I always knew I was just naturally doing. I think it's just a truth in the universe, but now I knew how to teach other people that. And so I, I called Jody one day, I think I called her, I texted her cause I'd gotten her number at this event that we were at. And I was like, Hey, will you tell me a little bit more about your, the coaching certification? And she was like, Oh, I think you'd be a great life coach. Like I've always thought that since I met you. And then she told me about it. I ended up signing up for it. Um, the coaching certification in September of 2020. And it's just been like, it's honestly changed my life. Even if I didn't teach anybody else about it, I would have thought that every dime of that $18,000 was worth it because it's truly changed my life. And, and so now I'm launching a coaching program on September 1st, and it will just be a group coaching program that will, um, teach the tools and, and be able to, um, coach people on infertility specifically and how to manage their mind through it. And I just think it's the most incredible work I've ever discovered. I just want to shout it from the rooftops. <laughs> I'm so excited about I it. I know. So amazing. So is there a specific yeah. thought through that model that got you through and, or, you know, since you've learned that obviously since you're, you've had your twins, maybe that yeah. would have been different now than from before. Yeah. So the thought, um, getting through the the first time was that if like everyone has life trials and if it wasn't this for me, it'd be something Mm -hmm. else right now. And so that helped me to not be jealous of people that were getting pregnant. It helped me to really like accept my circumstance because like we've talked about, it is what it is. Like there's nothing that I could do to change it. So I like to focus on what I can. And then it was interesting though, when we decided, I mean, I wrestled with it for a long time to even try to start having one more baby, but I finally felt like my twins were old enough to where they were getting a lot easier. And, but I felt so much anxiety about it. And it surprised me. Like I would start talking about doing IVF again and I would just get like super anxious. I would want to cry and just like run away. And it really kind of surprised me because I thought that I had gotten past it and through coaching, I got coached and I was able to figure out a thought that was causing me a lot of resentment was that I would, I thought that I've experienced infertility. I went through all of that to get my twins and now I deserve to have a normal pregnancy. And that thought was giving me so much resentment and anxiety and And I also was able to examine it and realize like, do I actually believe that that's true? And I don't believe it's true. And so that's where I think the power of coaching comes in is that people that coaches can help you see your brain and thoughts that are causing you getting these results that you're not wanting. And when you're in your own brain, sometimes you can't even see that that's what's happening. And so since I discovered that that's the thought that I was thinking, I was able to to reframe that and, and reexamine it. And I asked myself, do I think that's true? No. And then reframe it to, you know, like once again, here I am, like if it wasn't this trial, it'd be something else. And this is where I'm at and it is what it is. And then move forward with peace versus like this, like PTSD. A hundred percent, which is so common for people that have gone through any sort of fertility, anything, right. 
fertility or loss or whatever, it's so present and it's a real thing. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes people tend to brush it off and don't realize how debilitating that can be. But at the same time, there's ways to, to move forward and thrive with that. And you just need to learn those tools and how to reframe and refire your brain essentially is what you're doing, but it is possible. Mm -hmm. And it just, you just need kind of that direction, the nudge essentially to, to help get you there. Yeah, exactly. And so for your coaching, can you tell us a little bit more about this membership that you're going to be doing and how people can join that and what it's going to be all about? I want to, yeah, again, the more people that can know about this, the better, because it just helps so many. And that's really what we're here to do on this planet, I believe is just to help serve each other in whatever way is, is beneficial. So let's hear what you have. (laughs) Okay. So it launches on September 1st. And essentially what it will be is I have my core content. So there's several different stages that you'll find yourself in. And then I've created ways to get to the next stage. And then, um, so you can walk through that on your own time. There's different, um, like worksheets to print out, to walk through. I teach the model in what, as what, you know, you teach as well in basically how to solve any problem and apply it to infertility specifically. And then each month I'll have a workshop. So there will be different topics like how to love your body, um, and just different common thoughts that are really holding us back for people experiencing infertility specifically. And then I'll have a weekly live coaching coaching that people can jump on with me and be coached live. And then I'll save those into the um, portal that you can go back on and watch at any time. For me, I feel like it's really helpful to watch other people be coached because oftentimes when you have a, you know, a specific problem like infertility, there are common thoughts that are holding all of this back. And so I think watching other people be coached live is super helpful as well, because you can then, you know, kind of evaluate and see if those are some thoughts that are holding you back in your own life. And, um, it'll just be a really great place for women who are experiencing infertility to connect with one another as well. I just have a support system and reminding them that they're not alone. And then also really helping to remind them who they are, which I think is a daughter of God and, and reminding them of the fact that there's genuinely nothing wrong with them and they're just doing it right. That's amazing. So I love the aspect of that. It's kind of a curated space with a structure mm-hmm. around it. Again, back to this model that she spoke about that Brooke Castillo has put together that is so helpful. Mm-hmm. And as we mentioned before, and I'll mention again, that it can help you in so many aspects of your life, literally, no matter what it is, whether yeah. it's relationship or weight or fertility yeah. or whatever. So it's just so, so helpful in a lot of different ways. It really is. It's just, it, it makes me like giddy. Like I feel like sometimes mm-hmm. I get so excited about it. I like start to stutter. I'm like, you, you guys just don't understand. It's so amazing. Cause it's, it's like, it's truly life-changing and it's so empowering. I just love it. Awesome. So, and tell us a little bit about the blog in a slice of sun as well and how we can yeah. support you with that as well. Oh, you're so amazing. Thanks for asking about that. Um, so it's the slice of sun.com. And then the Instagram is the slice of sun dot infertility. And some, some of the things that I really love on there is the, um, we have a story section. So every Wednesday we post, post a story from someone in our community and their infertility experience, whether that be through surrogacy, IVF adoption, there's all types of different infertility experiences that you can read about and search for. Like if you are looking for stories on surrogacy, you can search by topic, which is really cool. And then, um, I have a podcast called fearless infertility that launches every Monday. 
And I just have really amazing guests like Elizabeth, for example. I'm super excited. We'll have to share your episode with me, with your readers, because it was so exci- It was really amazing to hear her story. And um, then there's products. So we have pajamas and socks and sweatshirts and things like that. And I love their, they, they're a really great gift for people experiencing infertility and also for yourself in just being a tangible reminder of that you're a part of this incredible sisterhood of women experiencing infertility and you're never alone in it. And then a portion of every cell goes back to women with infertility. And so we will choose um, right now, like every quarter we'll give to a different nonprofit uh, portion of every sale. That's so beautiful. I love that just like the cycle of paying it forward. I, the concept of that in this world, I I love so much. So good for you for doing that and and paying that forward to other people. Thank you. Because you're right. Like the fact that you're, you're originally in your story, when you said your insurance covered so many people Mm -hmm. that I talked to, you know, are not in that situation. And to that point, there's a lot of grants that are out there. There's a lot of things. So please ask, you know, you can DM me. I'm sure Jenica has lots of resources to point people to as well, but um, there are grants and options and ways to talk to your doctor about, you know, cash discounts, et cetera. But yeah. Yeah. And we actually have a port us. Uh, I'm glad you brought that up. We have a um, spot on our website that's called resources. And we're actually trying to gather more resources, but you can also search there by state. So like if there's a grant that's specific in your state for infertility, you can search um, and find those, but we need to expand that. Like there's some states that we don't even have any resources for. So if anyone that's listening has any resources that you think we should add there, I would love for you to email me and let me know. Well, thanks for coming on, Jenica. Good luck with your next IVF transfer. Whenever you decide it's right for your body, we will be holding you in our thoughts and prayers. It's I think you you kind of covered anything of where we can find you, but if you could do one more, just recap for everyone. And we'll also put it in the show notes, but just where people can get in touch. Okay. So Instagram is the slice of sun dot infertility. And that's where I hang out a lot. And then, um, we have a private Facebook group fertility family by the slice of sun where they can connect with other women experiencing infertility or the slice of sun.com is our website. So any of those places would be great. And don't forget her membership is starting on September 1st. So look Mm -hmm. out for that as well. You're so awesome. Thank you. All right. Have a wonderful night and we will talk soon. Thanks, Jenica. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Pretty Little Tribe podcast. Follow up on Instagram at the Pretty Little Tribe or at Elizabeth King underscore coaching for updates, resources, and a community to connect with. If you are looking for extra support and tools to guide you along your TTC and parenting journey, visit elizabethking.com. Don't forget to rate and review the podcast everywhere you're listening for a chance to receive a special gift. Visit elizabethking.com backslash pretty little tribe podcast for more information on how to enter. Any review counts. I just appreciate your honest feedback so I can provide you with the best support possible in your TTC and parenthood journey. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next week.